0: We're going to be learning in Chidush, Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the first piece in Hilchos Psule Mukdashin. This is Parak Beis, Halacha Test Zion, And the issue that Rab Chaim's discussing is the dam chatas, the blood of a carbon chatas, which needs to be sprinkled on the Mizbeach outside of the Heichal, outside the building of the Beis HaMikdash. So the Halacha is that if that blood is brought inside of the Heichal, it's invalidated from being used for the carbon chatas. And Rab Chaim's going to articulate two different elements of that. The Rambam writes dam the blood of a carbon khatas which was incorrectly brought inside of the heikhal in order to atone there, klum, and then he ended up not doing the service, so he didn't sprinkle any of the blood in the hechal, but rather he took it back outside, im if he had brought it in unintentionally, it was an accident, kosher menu but then the blood is still valid, and he could just do the sprinkling outside of the heichal, shere Keeper kiper because he didn't end up violating the blood by doing the atonement inside the heichal. So he didn't invalidate this blood because he took it in by accident, and then he didn't do any of the service in the heichal. But v'im if he took the blood in intentionally, so he meant to take the blood into the heichal, then pustled that blood is invalidated, even though he he didn't do any of the sprinkling in the Heichal, but the fact that he brought it in there intentionally invalidates the blood. So the Rambam differentiates between someone who brings the blood of the Chatas into the Heichal, the Shogeg versus the mazid, that they only invalidate the blood when it's the mazid. But the Rambam seems to imply that that whole distinction only applies when they didn't do the sprinkling inside the Heichal. But if he actually did the sprinkling of the blood in the Heichal, then it wouldn't matter whether it was Shogeg or maze. It, in all cases, the blood would be invalidated. So, Rab Chaim questions that this seems to go against the Gemara, because the view that bringing the blood into the Heichal, the Shogeg, doesn't invalidate the blood is Rabbi Yehuda's. And he holds in the Gemara Zvachim Pe Gimel that bringing the blood in alone would never invalidate it. So, that's not a problem at all. The only problem is the sprinkling. So, that means when Rabbi Yehuda said that b'shogeg, the blood is still valid, he must have been referring to a case where he did the sprinkling and still if it was bishogeg, the blood remains valid and in fact the Gemara makes that clear that according to Rabbi Yehuda when he did the sprinkling bishogeg, the blood is still valid so Rab Chaim asks that the Rambam's presentation seems to contradict the Gemara because the Gemara according to Rabbi Yehuda is saying that bishogeg, even if he sprinkled it the blood remains valid whereas the Rambam holds that if he sprinkled the blood in the Heichal then the blood is always invalid Valid. The only time it's valid is if he brought it in without sprinkling it, beshogek. So how does the Rambam fit in with the Gemara? So at first, Rav Chaim suggests a technical answer for the Rambam, that we have to reread what the Rambam is saying here. When he used the phrase, since he didn't do the sprinkling in the Heichal, so the blood is still valid, our original assumption was that that phrase is explaining why the blood is not invalidated by being brought into the Heichal. And again, as Rav Chaim asked, that seems to go against the Gemara's presentation. So Rab Chaim suggests that maybe that line is not coming to explain why the blood is not invalidated. It's coming to explain a different aspect of this halacha, which is the Rambam said that the blood is still usable, meaning you could take the blood outside of the heichal and do the sprinkling there, and that would be a valid carbon. So on that, the Rambam explains because he didn't do the sprinkling yet, meaning had he done the sprinkling in the heichal, then he wouldn't need to do any more sprinkling. Because the Gemara in Zvachim Chavvav says that if he sprinkles the blood in the wrong place, it still atones for the owners, meaning the sacrifice is valid. So even though he was supposed to sprinkle this blood of the Chatas outside of the Heichal, if he brought it into the Heichal and sprinkled it in the wrong place, that's still sufficient. The atonement works. So he wouldn't need to do any more sprinkling outside the Heichal. So that's why the Rambam is explaining if he didn't sprinkle in the Heichal, then he wouldn't need to go back outside and do the sprinkling again. And the difference between these two sprinklings is going to be whether the meat can be eaten by the kohanim. If he sprinkled it in the wrong place, even though the atonement takes effect, but the kohanim cannot eat the meat, as opposed to if he sprinkles it outside the heichal in the right place, even though the blood was brought into the heichal originally, and then it was brought back out, and he did the sprinkling outside, so in that case the kohanim could eat the meat. So this is how Rab Chaim proposes that we reread the Rambam. He's not commenting on whether the blood itself or the carbon itself is valid. He's commenting on whether the Kohen needs to do a new sprinkling. If he didn't do sprinkling inside the Heichal, then he would need to do another one outside and he can eat the meat. But if he had already done the sprinkling in the Heichal, it would be valid so long as it was Bishogeg, even though it was done in the wrong place because that's the rule, but the Kohen can't eat the meat. So according to this approach, Approach, the Rambam is not disagreeing with the Gemara. He also agrees that even if he did the sprinkling in the Heichal, so long as it was Bishogeg, the carbon would be valid. Now, on the Gemara Zvachim Chavvav, where it says that even if the sprinkling was done in the wrong place, the carbon is still valid. So he limits that principle that it doesn't include a case where he was supposed to do the sprinkling and the Mizbeach outside the Heichal, and he did it inside instead. According to Tosvos, that's too big a change, so the atonement is not going to work in that case. So that obviously would undermine Rab Chaim's reading of the Rambam. But Rab Chaim points out that the Rambam himself earlier in Hilchus he writes explicitly that even in a case where the sprinkling was supposed to be done in the Mizbeach outside the Heichal, and he moved it inside the Heichal, so even such an egregious error is still going to be a valid carbon. So the Rambam disagrees with Tosvos, and he does apply that principle even to a case where he did the sprinkling incorrectly inside the Heichal. So it would be internally consistent to interpret this Rambam along the lines of his own view, against Tosvos, But even so, Rab Chaim does not like this first technical reading of the Rambam, because he doesn't believe that it really fits into the language of the Rambam. Because the phrase that the Rambam used is kiper ba Kodesh, because he didn't atone in the Kodesh, which refers to the Heichal. So that phrase is a reference to the way the Torah describes how the blood of the Chatas becomes invalidated if it's brought into the Heichal, the Chalchatas asher Yuva. El ha-kodesh, any chatas where the blood is brought into the heichal becomes invalidated. So the Rambam is clearly referencing that halacha, and he's explaining that the reason that doesn't apply in this case is because he didn't do the sprinkling in the heichal. Now, if he's referring to the other principle from the Gemara in Zvachim Chavvav, which Rab Chaim tried to argue in the first approach, that that's what that phrase is referring to. That even sprinkling in the wrong place still atones. So that has nothing to do with the Kodesh. It has nothing to do with whether it's a sanctified place or not. The point of that halacha is that even if the sprinkling was done in the wrong place, it's still valid. But that has nothing to do with the Kodesh. So the fact that the Rambam invokes that phrase, which references the Torah's halacha, that bringing the blood of the Chatas into the Heichal invalidates it, means that the Rambam is referring to that aspect of this case. And the Rambam is saying that the blood does not become invalidated by going into the Heichal because there was no sprinkling. But the implication is that if there was a sprinkling, even if the whole thing was done bishogeg, it would invalidate the blood. So we're back to our question, how does this fit in with the Gemara, which seems to say that according to Rabbi Yehuda, if the sprinkling was done in the hechal bishogeg, it wouldn't invalidate the blood. So now Rabbi Chaim suggests a second, more conceptual approach to explain the Rambam. And this is a two-step answer. Now this answer assumes the literal reading of the Rambam, that when he says, kiper ba'kodesh, that since there was no atonement in the Heichal, that's the explanation for why bishogeg the blood, is not invalidated. But if there would be sprinkling in the Heichal, then even bishogeg the blood, would be invalidated. And the explanation for this distinction makes sense when we understand why there's a difference between if he brought it in bishogeg versus B'mezid. And the reason, as Rab Chaim formulates it, is that the Halacha never invalidated blood which was brought into the heichal that alone would not be enough to invalidate the blood of the chatas the way the torah formulates it it's only when he brought the blood into the heichal with the intention of doing the sprinkling, the atonement in the heichal. That's the way the Torah formulates this halacha that he brought it into the heichal lekaper baKodesh in order to atone. So his intention was to do the zrika, the sprinkling of the blood in the heichal. That's where the blood is invalidated. And Rab Chaim has another proof to this idea from the Gemara Zvachim Pei Beizam et The Gemara says that if he was intending to do the sprinkling in the Kodesh HaKodashim, the holy of holies, so in the inner part of the Heichal, and instead he only brought the blood into the Heichal, so he didn't end up bringing it all the way into the Kodesh HaKodashim, so that blood is not invalidated. So again you see that if his intention was to do the Zrika in the Kodesh HaKodashim, coming into the Heichal alone is not going to invalidate it. It's only invalidated if he was intending to do the Zrika in the Heichal and he came into the Heichal. So now that Rab Chaim's more carefully formulated this halacha, that walking into the Heichal with the blood alone doesn't invalidate it unless he was intending to do the zrika, So that explains why it only applies to a case of Mezid. Because we need an intention to do the atonement in the heichal. If someone comes in unintentionally, so that's not considered intention to do the atonement in the wrong place. It has to be that they intentionally were planning on doing this in order to invalidate the blood. So the distinction between whether the person came in b'shogeg or b'mezid follows from the very essence of this halacha that the walking in alone is not the problem unless he was intending to do the zrika uh, inside the heichal and that intention can only be if he went in mazid, but if he went in b'shogeg it was unintentional so then he doesn't have the intentions and the blood is not invalidated. So now, based on this, it makes conceptual sense why the Rambam distinguishes between when he actually did the Zrika in the Heichal, that in that case, even Bishogeg, the blood's invalidated. And the reason, says Rab Chaim, is because based on his formulation of this Halacha, so the Rambam holds that the only time you can say that if someone goes into the Heichal, Bishogeg, there wasn't an intention to do the atonement there is only when they didn't end up doing the zrika. So then we say that there wasn't a proper intention to do the zrika, and since all they did was walk in with the blood, the blood is not invalidated. But if they actually did do the zrika, so then even though they came in Bishogeg, so there wasn't a full intention to do the zrika there, but since they ended up doing the zrika in the heikhal so together with the fact that they walked in intending to do the zrika, and they ended up doing the zrika, even though the whole thing was bishogeg, but since since they ended up doing the zrika, all of that together makes it that they did invalidate the blood. So the Rambam held that the whole limitation that someone who brings the blood into the Heichal Bishogeg is not considered lekaper bakodesh, that they're intending to do the atonement there, only applies when they don't end up doing the zrika there. But when they do end up doing the zrika, that does fall into the category of lekaper bakodesh because they were intending to do the zrika there, even though the mistake was unintentional but since they were planning on doing the zrika and they ended up doing the zrika, so that's enough to invalidate the blood so that's the explanation for the distinction between shogeg and Mezid and furthermore why the Rambam differentiates between a case where he did the Zerika versus where he didn't so that's all step one of Rab Chaim's answer but now as we said this contradicts Rabbi Yehuda's view in the Gemara that even if he did the Zrika to Shogig the blood is still not invalid so step two, Rabchaim Chaim explains that there's a key difference between the case of Rabbi Yehuda versus the case of the Rambam. So to explain this, Rab Chaim refers to the Gemara that he referenced earlier. The Mishnah Zvachim Chafvav, says, If someone took blood, which was supposed to be sprinkled on the Mizbeach, outside the Heichal, and instead, incorrectly, he sprinkled it inside the Heichal, so it's pussel. It sounds like the Karban is invalidated. So the Gemara quotes that Shmuel explained that that's not actually the case. The carbon itself is valid and it does atone for the owners. When the Mishnah says that it's pussel, it means that the meat cannot be eaten by the kohanim. But the carbon itself is still valid because even sprinkling the blood in the wrong place is still valid for the atonement. So this was the Gemara that Rab Chaim referenced earlier, that if someone sprinkles the blood in the wrong place, the carbon does atone, but the kohanim cannot eat the meat. Now, Reb Chaim introduces a major limitation on this leniency of the Gemara, and he says that the whole idea that the blood can be sprinkled in the wrong place, and the carbon still counts, only applies when it was sprinkled on another Mizbeach. But if the blood was sprinkled in a random place in the Beis Mikdash, so let's say in the Heichal, there's the Aron. If the blood is sprinkled on the Parochas, the curtain of the Aron, or the Badim, the poles of the Aron, so then it's not going to count at all. So the whole Gemara's leniency that even if the blood was sprinkled in the wrong place the carbon still atones only applies when it was sprinkled on the wrong Mizbeach. Not when it was sprinkled on something totally random like the Aron. And the reasoning for this is because the Gemara derives this whole Halacha from the Pasuk of vanina sativ Lachem Ala Mizbeach Lekaper. That I gave you the Mizbeach in order to atone for you. So anytime the blood reaches the Mizbeach, the owners get atoned. But that only applies if the blood reached a Mizbeach even if it's the wrong Mizbeach but if it reached a different vessel of the beis Mikdash so then it's not going to atone so there's a key distinction here between where the blood was sprinkled in the wrong place was it on the wrong Mizbeach versus was it on the Aron or a totally different vessel now says Rab Chaim this same distinction we could also apply to the case where he brought the blood of the Chattas into the Heichal now this is a bit of a complex idea but Rab Chaim is going to to together the two points that he's been making in this paragraph. And he says like this, it's clear in the halacha that even if the person brings the blood of the chattas into the heichal with the intention of sprinkling it on the aron, so even though that's an invalid sprinkling, it's clear that that would invalidate the blood because of the halacha that bringing the blood of the chattas into the heichal invalidates it. So that halacha includes even places where the atonement would not work, like the Aron. And that's clear because the Gemara in and Pei Beis includes the Kodesh Kodashim also in this halacha. And there's no Mizbeach there. So it must be that the halacha is including even cases where he intended to sprinkle the blood, not on a wrong Mizbeach, but on a totally different vessel, like inside the Kodesh Hakodashim. So that much is clear. But, says Rab Chaim, the Rambam's additional halacha that if someone went in bishogeg and did the zrika, that still invalidates the blood. That is only going to apply when he did the zrika on the mizbeach, because that's a zrika that could have atoned. So that overrides the fact that it was bishogeg and it invalidates all of the blood. But if he did that zrika on the aron, so then he's not going to invalidate the blood, even though he did a zrika, because that was the kind of zrika which would not have atoned. So in that case, the leniency of Shogeg is still going to apply because it's the equivalent of him having just walked in there and not done any Zrika at all, which Bishogeg would not invalidate the blood. So doing a totally meaningless Zrika on the Aron is also not going to invalidate the blood if it was Bishogeg. So now the way Rab Chaim setting this up, there's more details to this halacha. If someone simply walks in with the blood and they don't do any zrika in the Heichal, so then if they went in B'mezid, it's invalid. If they went in B'shogeg, it's not. If someone goes in and does do a zrika, so if the zrika was on the Mizbeach, then in all cases, whether it was shogeg or Mezid, the rest of the blood is invalid. But if the Zrika was on the Aron, so then again, if they went in B'Mezid, the rest of the blood is invalid. But Bishogeg it's not. So that's the way Rab Chaim setting this up. So now, says Rab Chaim, putting this all together, we can answer the Rambam. He's not contradicting the Gemara. Because even though Rabbi Yehuda in the Gemara clearly said that even if someone does the zrika but it was bishogeg the blood is not invalidated and Rebbe Yehuda has to mean that because he holds that simply walking in would never invalidate the blood so when he gave a leniency for shogeg it must mean even with zrika but Rebbe Yehuda is referring to zrika on the aron not on the Mizbeah. so since the person did a meaningless zrika bishogeg the rest of the blood is not invalidated but the Rambam is not trying to ascertain the case where Rabbi Yehuda was lenient, he's trying to rule about the halacha, So obviously he has to talk about all cases. So that includes both whether the person did zrika on the Mizbeach or on the aron. In all cases, the Rambam has to tell us what the rule is regarding the rest of the blood. So that's why the Rambam says that the only blanket rule is that if the person didn't do zrika, and they went in bishogeg, then the rest of the blood is valid. But if they did do zirika, so then there is a case where the blood is invalid, even bishogeg, which is when they did Zrika on the mizbeach. The Rambam would also agree that if by shogeg they had done zurika on the aron, so the blood would still be valid. But he's trying to tell us the one clear halacha, which is if they didn't do zurika by shogeg, then the blood is valid. But if they did do zurika so then there is a case where the blood is invalid even by Shogig, which is when they did Zrika on the Mizbeach. So basically, the Rambam and Rabbi Yehuda are talking about two different cases. Rabbi Yehuda is referring to where he did Zrika on the Aron. So there, in a case of Shogig, the blood is not invalidated. And Rabbi Yehuda is trying to come up with a case where his leniency applies. So he found this unusual situation. The Rambam, on the other hand, is referring to a case where he did Zrika on the Mizbeach, and there, even by Shogig, the blood is invalidated. Because the Rambam is just talking about clear-cut halachas. So that's Rab Chaim's explanation for the Rambam. The key conceptual point that Rab Chaim makes is that this whole halacha, that bringing the blood of the Karban Chatas into the Heichal invalidates it, is based on the fact that the person intended to do the atonement in the Heichal. So from there, there follows a distinction between shogeg and Mezid, as well as whether he did the zrika or not, and that also affects where he did the zrika, because Rab Chaim holds that the Zrika in the wrong place only works on the Mizbeach, but on the Aron, it's a meaningless Zrika. So that's why way Rab Chaim puts this all together and explains why the Rambam is not contradicting the Gemara. Now, in the back of the Or Olam edition of Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, so they quote that Rabbi Isra Zalman Meltzer in the Evan HaAzel, a few Halachas earlier, and P'sule in Psule Amukdashim Perak Beis, Halacha Yud Gimel. So he comments on this Rab Chaim that at first it seemed strange to him to limit the whole leniency of Rabbi Yehuda that someone who brings the blood in by Shogig is only referring to a case where he did the zrika on the Aron, which seems like a very strange case. So, Rab Chaim's really limiting Rabbi Yehuda's opinion in a very serious way. Now, Rab Chaim explains that by saying that Rabbi Yehuda is just trying to tell us a case where the leniency would apply. But still, it seems somewhat strange. But then, Rabbi Zalman says that he found in a sefer Ezra's Kohanim on the Sifra that he actually says this has to be the case for a totally different reason. So, this reason Reinforces Rab Chaim's explanation because the Ezras Kohanim has a different analysis which brings him to the same point. His question is that Rabbi Yehuda says that the carbon is kosher, that it's a valid carbon. So that seems to imply not only that it atones for the owners, but that the actual meat is kosher and can be eaten by the Kohanim, meaning the carbon is not invalidated at all. Now the problem is that the Gemara, as we saw, says explicitly that when the zrika is done in the wrong place, place, the carbon atones, but the Kohanim cannot eat the meat. So since this is a case where the Zerika was done in the Heichal, which is the wrong place, so how can Rabbi Yehuda say that the Kohanim can eat the meat? He could say that the Karban atoned, but how are the Kohanim able to eat the meat when the zrika was done in the wrong place? So the Ezra's Kohanim answered that Rabbi Yehuda must be talking about where the sprinkling was done on the Aron, so it's a meaningless sprinkling, and then they brought the blood back outside and did the zrika in the right place. So that's why the Karban not only atones, but the Kohanim can can also eat the meat because at the end of the story the sprinkling was done in the right place but that could only work if the sprinkling in the heichal was totally meaningless if the heichal sprinkling atoned then there's no way to correct the meat and to do the sprinkling again in the right place so this again is like rab Chaim's approach that the sprinkling in Rabbi Yehuda's case was on the Aron, not on the Mizbeach and the Heichal. According to the Ezra's Kohanim, that's why they can correct the situation, do the sprinkling again on the right Mizbeach and the Kohanim can eat the meat. And according to Rab Chaim, that's why in that case, if it's Shogeg, the blood is not invalidated, as opposed to where they did the sprinkling on the Mizbeach, where even in Shogeg, the blood would be invalidated.